Here on the AI and Industry Podcast, I basically see it as my job to highlight the possibility space of artificial intelligence across sectors so that leaders in healthcare can learn from maybe machine vision applications in manufacturing, people in finance can learn from some other natural language processing application in retail, and basically the capabilities can be shared across sort of executive minds to be able to open up the possibilities of AI in business. While not all businesses really could and should leverage machine learning to solve different problems, some can, and that's what we try to highlight. And the same question can be asked for AI hardware. Some businesses are really going to require a sea change in the way that their computation works and the kinds of computing power that they're leveraging to do what they need to do with artificial intelligence, and others really might not need an upgrade in hardware, at least not a significant one and not in the near term to, to do what they want to do with AI. So what's the difference? Well, that's the question that we decided to ask today of Per Nyberg, who is Vice President of Market Development, Artificial Intelligence at Cray. So Cray uh, is known for the Cray One supercomputer, which was way back in 1975. Uh, big stepwise improvement in terms of computing power back in its day, and Cray continues to work away on hardware and has an entire division now dedicated to artificial intelligence hardware. We speak with Pear about what kinds of business problems require an upgrade in hardware and what don't. So very frankly, sort of what are the dimensions by which we should look at a business problem or maybe even an industry and say, should hardware be on our radar yet or not? Pear does a pretty good job of sort of sussing out which kinds of problems might be a fit and which might not, and also what criteria we might want to measure a business problem by to figure out if an upgrade in hardware may be a requirement in the relatively near term. So without further ado, we're going to be exploring the requirements for hardware upgrades for artificial intelligence. And again, this is with Per Nyberg of Cray Computer here on AI and Industry. So Per, where I thought we'd start off is just talking about the relevance of AI hardware and sort of who should have this on their radar. I think it's known that maybe not all businesses are going to need to drastically upgrade their hardware to run their companies or to run their, their AI in the near term. What are the kinds of business problems or kinds of sectors where maybe they will, where this really sea change in, in hardware is going to be borderline necessary? What are your perspectives there? Yeah, that's a good question. So uh, maybe a, a couple of different perspectives there. What one is is certainly that as, as we look at AI in, in the enterprise, we, we kind of think about this, this journey, if you will, and, you know, early on, it's really all about just understanding the capabilities of, of, you know, machine learning, right? And at that point, it is very much around, you know, kind of the, the skills within the organization and, and the business problem that they're trying to address. But as organizations kind of progress through their journey, so, you know, they've kind of convinced themselves that there's, there, there is some value there to their lines of business, and they move into, you know, kind of more significant implementations or operationalizing AI. It, it's kind of at that point that, you know, the, the infrastructure really does start to become, you know, really important. And we've seen that in our customer base. We've had companies come to us and say, you know, we've been experimenting with AI or deep learning now for, you know, nine months. And then all of a sudden, you know, we, we increase our data sizes and, you know, we need faster training or we need faster storage, for example, right? So we kind of see that arc through the journey where, again, the infrastructure really does start to become kind of a critical uh, and, and, you know, kind of necessary part of, of, their, of their journey. In terms of, you know, specific uh, use cases or, or problem areas, 
again, I, I think that you know where we see today areas like in, in manufacturing, uh, obviously things like you know autonomous vehicles is, is the the one that a lot of people yeah hear a lot about and it resonates with them. Uh, but you know in the manufacturing space at large, we see everything uh, all the way into you know really interesting areas that people are looking into, like uh, what they call cognitive simulation, where you know they're using machine learning to improve their computational fluid dynamics, for example. And so you kind of see it permeating throughout that industry. And then obviously areas like, you know, life sciences, uh, healthcare, financial services, oil and gas. So you really see it kind of across that that kind of large industrial base. And so we'll poke a little bit deeper into this. And I appreciate you getting some detail here, Pear. Um, so I suppose probably what no one listening in will be that surprised about is that, yeah, you, you should consider hardware improvements once you're actually getting into operationalizing AI, I mean, if you're still brainstorming on where and how this could be relevant on, you know, fundamental kind of data infrastructure stuff, sure, maybe, maybe you don't upgrade everything, but when you're moving forward, maybe you do. You touched on some of the biggest industries that, that we focus on here, you know, healthcare, finance, and kind of heavy industry, particularly oil and gas and manufacturing are huge uh, here. And I imagine there's some problems there where real upticks in hardware are going to be required and others where eh, maybe not as much. Um, so you mentioned autonomous vehicles. We've got a tremendous volume of sensor data. We've got LIDAR, we've got cameras, we've got GPS, we've got maybe all kinds of cameras on different parts of the car. Maybe that's so much volume to crunch that hardware upticks are, are going to be pretty much essential. In pharma, we've got things like drug development that involve just an unlimited permutation of, of different sort of genetic information or chemical information that we need to kind of crunch. There might be things in, let's say, financial services or, or healthcare or whatnot, where maybe massive computational muscle is, is less required, like maybe some customer service-oriented applications that are more kind of NLP maybe don't need you know, even something as robust as deep learning, never mind the wackiest NVIDIA chip in the universe. Um, what separates those problems that are so meaty, so heavy that we may need, you know, big deal hardware versus the problems that, you know, oftentimes it's not as much of an emergency to have to jump to the beefiest computer in the world. Yeah. So, so we kind of think along two dimensions. So one is kind of, you know, let's call, let's call it scale, right? The, the size of your problem. And the other one is just complexity. So if you're looking at, you know, some of these workflows in, in drug discovery, like, um, you know, electron cryo microscopy, cryo EM, that is a, a very complex workflow. So even if somebody's just starting out, you know, experimenting with it, it, it can still be a, a computational and, and kind of an IO challenge. You know, the scale question is really interesting because, you know, we've spoken with a lot of companies where at a small scale, you know, they don't have enough data to even make deep learning worthwhile. Yeah. So, so it's not even a question of, of, of whether or not, you know, you need it. It's, they can't demonstrate the benefit, but they can kind of project forward in time as data sizes or data volumes grow. And at that point, there'll be a crossover, right? So I, I think it's kind of an important point. So, so even before you talk about the infrastructure is that, you know, this machine learning isn't for everybody just yet. Um, Definitely and not, yeah. It's, it's that's kind of the first starting point is whether or not you can really see the benefit today. Uh, but like I said, a lot of them, a lot of companies we speak to, as they project forward, they absolutely do see this. I, I like, uh, yeah, and I can imagine. I mean, you know, looking forward long enough, all of us are going to be upgrading hardware in some way. You know, the the computer that I'm on now is going to be a pretty different computer, maybe five or ten years from now. Same thing with phones. Same thing with all the computation I'm using in business. 
So, you know, there's an inevitable trajectory here. There's different levels of urgency, as you've rightly pointed out. You brought up kind of those two dimensions, complexity and scale. That might be a fun kind of thought experiment way of thinking through this for, for business folks. Obviously, pretty subjective terms. I'm thinking to myself about how to define or, or maybe think about complexity. If I'm listening in and I, I run a business or a department and I'm thinking about my own data, you know, when I think about the customer service example I gave you, maybe, I, maybe I'm a big retail bank and I do have huge volumes of email tickets and, and you know, phone transcripts and things like that that I have to deal with. But at the end of the day, it's mostly text. I mean, the audio is getting transcribed, the emails are, are text. And so the level of complexity, and it's, it's generally, let's say it's 90% English, you know, 10% Japanese, you know, whatever, some mix, but it's mostly a single language and it's mostly text. In that case, maybe complexity is lower than if I'm working on self-driving cars where I have to simultaneously crunch and make sense of data from a whole bunch of various and sundry sensors that are measured and tracked and pipe themselves in in all kinds of different ways. To me, that's that's maybe a, a metaphor for more and less complex. Do you think about it maybe differently or is there a better way to think about it as a business leader? Yeah, so so I think the, the way you described it is is certainly spot on, right? I mean, I think one of the other terms that we like to use is, is sort of heterogeneity, right? And I, I think when you look at, you know, sorry about sort of deep learning, I think to date, you know, deep learning has been kind of defined from a, a processor architecture perspective. But but if you're a data scientist, I mean, you're really focused on the workflow, right? So even the workflow itself is very, very heterogeneous, if you will. I mean, there's sort of data preparation and model development, model implementation. And, you know, AI practitioners will, you know, iterate between these steps across the entire workflow. And, and so really, when you look at workflows, they are heterogeneous by nature, but we also see them becoming increasingly heterogeneous. You know, blending data analytics, blending machine learning, simulation, and it's at that point where complexity goes up, uh, heterogeneity goes up, and you know, really, at the end of the day, what ends up happening is that it's more than any single technology or, or product. Yeah. And so that's yeah. again just tying it back to infrastructure is that um, you know you really have to look across the various needs of your workflow and and choose the right technology which is going to provide the greatest value for that particular portion. Yeah, and so business leaders, you know, you talked about the pharma space, you know, if we're doing wacky and wild drug development stuff and combining all these different types of data, again, you know, bio info and, and you know, genetic information and, and whatever else we have to kind of merge and slice and dice and compare and, and, and uh, mix in order to sort of garner information around the development of a drug, maybe that would be more hardware heavy, computationally heavy than something where we're just looking to you know, collect on accounts receivable or something, predict, you know, likelihood of accounts receivable where we sort of, we just need to look at our receivables. We just need to look at our, our, you know, CRM to some degree, whatever pharma companies use for that. And we might have enough of a streamlined, relatively simple, similar sources, similar kinds of data sort of application that, that may not require the computational muscle of something that's as, you know, to use your term complex as combining all these various and sundry sources that are uh, kind of inherently disjointed. Um, maybe that's a way of thinking about it. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, look, we 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 really see AI as is kind of fundamentally a a supercomputing problem. Um, but there are certainly you know there's a range along that scale. But but I think that you know it's kind of interesting too when you talk about complexity. 
I, I think the rate of change in technology as well is, is another dimension that's kind of hidden behind here in that, you know, a lot of the, you know, IT or data science practitioners that we speak to in the enterprise, they're kind of overwhelmed with the rate of change as well. And, and, and that's not only coming from industry in terms of new technologies, but, but as they kind of go through this, this journey, as I described before, this, this arc, um, you know, their problems change there too. And, and so what they discover at one point might be very different than they discover, you know, six months later. So, so that landscape and, and how they address these problems, they, they, they really are overwhelmed. Yeah, that's and that's tough. You know, uh, I have one other question I wanted to ask you about scale and potentially defining that, but I'll try to squeeze this in as well because I think we'll have the time for it. You know, you mentioned executives are a bit overwhelmed on the pace of change. The the capabilities of AI are changing. The things we need to understand about you know data or in a more technical level, you know, linear algebra or whatever the case may be. Uh, all the vendors that are kind of emerging in this domain, all the projections about how industries are going to change. There's a lot to kind of get a hold of, you know, if you're speaking with, you know, an executive team, let's say at a big life sciences company or, or a large bank somewhere, and they're really kind of not having an easy time getting their bearings on what's relevant and how to stay abreast of this pace of change. What do you generally have for advice? I mean, maybe you have, you know, certain uh, folks you follow on Twitter or something to, to kind of distill the right information for you. But, you know, at, at, at kind of a high level, you know, an executive who's feeling lost where should they be focused? You know, if, if they if they want to not be completely bowled over by all the new press releases every five minutes about AI, what do they tune into? Yeah, that, that's a very great question. Well, I, I think that you know the advice that we provide, and quite frankly, this is why people come to you know come to Cray is that, I, and we've always taken a kind of a, a system view, right, focused on kind of you know the workflow or the application performance. And I think that's really kind of taking a step back and viewing it holistically is kind of the first step, right? So don't get rat holed down any one particular technology, but kind of, you know, open up your aperture a little bit and kind of view end to end. And then and I think it's, you know, everybody's journey is a little bit different. Um, and again, you know, we'll speak with two different companies that on the outside have exactly the same use case. And you know, where they might be in their, let's say, digital transformation really defines what the right solution is for them. And so I think that there is kind of a, a, a personalized aspect to this as well. And that's, you know, look for people who can look from a system perspective and, and look at it holistically for your particular organization. Yeah, that there really isn't a, oh, you're in retail. Here's the software you need. Here's the hardware you need. It's obviously much more complicated than that. And it is likely that companies that, that weren't born and bred in the world of, of data and data infrastructure and machine learning are going to need some degree of outside expertise. So having kind of a consultative element, which I know you folks have, uh, I think is is pretty pivotal for companies in software, never mind in hardware, which could, could I imagine sometimes be more complicated. Last question to just bounce off of you here is you mentioned the second dimension of scale. And I think that this is an interesting, somewhat subjective term as well. I think you've done a, a good job here kind of nutshelling complexity, at least at a rough level for folks to imagine that. Scale is sort of subjective too. You know, if you're, you know, the scale of a company like Wayfair that does, you know, billions of dollars in, in e-commerce sales, is different than the scale of Amazon that does uh, whatever tens of billions in e-commerce sales, and and the same thing is probably the case for types of data. The uh, volume of X kind of instance might be astronomically more heavy and computationally 
uh, expensive than a volume of Y kind of uh, instance in some way, shape, or form. How do you, how do you ask people to think about scale? How do they get a sense of where they stand in terms of scale of data? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. I, I mean, I think a couple of views here. I mean, one is that regardless of the size of the organization, I think one, one of the trends that we see is just kind of towards, you know, distributed training, for example, right? As any problem gets, well, all problems are getting larger. Um, so it's all relative to the particular organization that there is this push towards, you know, scaling your individual training runs, for example. Uh, there's also a push towards, you know, things like, you know, distributed inference, let's say. Um, so, so I think that that, that thread is common, you know, regardless of the size of the organization. Uh, and again, after that, it's just kind of right size to, to whatever their problems might be. But I think computing today, especially supercomputing, fundamentally, you have to think parallel. It's all about running things in parallel. Um, and that's, that's true for anything that you're doing, whether it's, you know, again, you know, structural engineering or distributed deep learning training. It's all about finding parallelism. And that's kind of really how most people should think about this scale question, because that's the only way to really ultimately accelerate their workflows. Yeah. And again, as you had mentioned, uh, what what workflows will require that acceleration at a hardware level may vary. There's some problems where maybe it's more needed than others. Uh, but for those that it is, you know, moving in the parallel direction, certainly for AI, kind of borderline inevitable for some of those folks. So Cool. Well, hopefully some of these insights are useful for people thinking about where they stand and maybe where they need to stand and if and how kind of hardware could be required. So, Pear, I, I realize that's all we have for time, but I'm really grateful you're able to jump on with us here on AI and Industry and share some of your insights. So thanks so much for being here. Great. Thanks to you, too. That's all for this episode on the AI and Industry Podcast, where we explore the applications and implications of AI in your business or industry. And when it comes to those benefits of real insight in terms of artificial intelligence applications and business, this show is really just the tip of the iceberg. AI and Industry is produced by Tech Emergence, and over at techemergence.com, you can find actionable industry-specific coverage, including case studies, unique market research with charts and graphs, and regular coverage of the AI applications of both the hottest startups here in the Bay Area, as well as what Fortune 500 companies are doing with AI today. Everything from marketing and advertising, business intelligence, to specific industries like finance and healthcare, you can stay ahead of the curve and stay on the right side of disruption by visiting techemergence.com. And when you're there, make sure to sign up for our weekly newsletter on the left-hand side of the page. Uh, most of our podcast listeners get uh, the episodes directly to their inbox every week. You'll be joining tens of thousands of other business leaders who join us from all over the world to stay ahead of the curve of AI in their specific industry. So that's techemergence.com. Uh, I'm Dan Figella. This is AI and Industry, and we'll catch you next week.